Hi, everyone. I'm Kyle Bechet, and this is the AAF Exchange, a podcast from the American Action Forum where experts provide clear, data-driven insight into today's economic and domestic policy issues. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in. 2018 was a significant year for tech policy. One issue we heard a lot about was internet privacy and how our data is being used. Will Reinhardt, AAF's Director of Technology and Innovation Policy, has written about these issues extensively, and he is here today to break down the issues surrounding internet privacy for us. Will, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let me set up this debate over data privacy with a specific example. I'm walking down the street, mm-hmm. my st- I pass a Starbucks, yep. my Starbucks app gives me a notification saying, hey, do you want to buy coffee? Yeah, you know, well, you say no because Starbucks is horrible. Well, you know, I, okay. say, I, yeah. I say no because I'm coming to the office. Yeah, and, of course, of course, know. of course, I'm just joking um, around. So is this how we should be thinking about data privacy? Is this, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the the Starbucks app actually was just recently brought up in a uh, in a house hearing about privacy, and I think this is actually uh, illustrative of this kind of general problem that we're talking about with with privacy. Privacy itself really is this kind of uh, associational term. There's a lot of different ways to think about privacy, but typically the two ways we think about privacy, or at least within the policy sphere, we're really concerned about uh, data privacy, which are really questions of you know data control, data knowledge, and what can consumers really, you know, what consumers can do with data. It's not illegal to do these things, but it's like it's just the ability to have control over your your data in specific contexts. Now, that can be compared to what you might consider or what is considered rather um, data, data privacy. I'm sorry, data, data security and data security is really the thing that we're that we worry about and are 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 um, are considering when you know whenever your credit card gets stolen. So data security is really about ensuring the databases themselves are secure, making sure that people you know aren't being subjected to fraudulent activity, and uh, and really the the problem I, I I see is that oftentimes data security is combined with data privacy, even though those really are two t- separate terms and that's really at least when when we talk about you know this kind of federal privacy law we, we really tend to smash the two together when we really shouldn't um, at the end of the day really what people worry about with that kind of the app that you're mentioning the, the Starbucks app is that you know perhaps Starbucks is collecting information about me that they don't necessarily need in order to collect in order to you know serve me um, delightfully tasteful coffee in extremely large mugs. So perhaps you know that's I think that's what really what consumers are thinking about when they when they think about these types of experiences. They're they're worried that perhaps this company is collecting a little bit too much information. They're not necessarily worried as much about their information necessarily getting out, which might be much more of like a a data you know a data security question. They're much more concerned about well why is it that that Starbucks needs to collect this information about me. Why is it that, for example, some um, some flashlight apps on my iPhone are collecting information about all my contacts I have? You know, that's much more of a that those types of concerns about about um, about collection of data and how that data is being used for specific purposes, I think, is what a lot of people care about within this conversation, which means that perhaps we're only really focused in this privacy conversation on a kind of a set 
core problems that we're trying to deal with, which I think is a, is 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 interesting because we tend to combine these core problems with a whole bunch of other things. You know, like I said, like fraudulent activity, you know, medical or identity theft, which is which is you know which is increasing, or you know even perhaps uh, you know seniors getting you know again getting um, getting defrauded out of out of money because they you know they went on a website and you know put information so to me it's really helpful to separate out the two and really to have a conversation about privacy you really do need to start by saying well there's things about data security that we might want to do and there's things with data privacy that we might want to do now in the case of the Starbucks example, yeah. there's been a lot of focus on how these companies, you know, manipulate us into making decisions. You know, yeah. you go to Amazon, you see your, hey, you might be interested in this list or something like that. Yeah. But there's clear benefits to having data, to having our data out there on the internet. Yeah. Can you walk us through some of those benefits? Yeah, and I think that what you've we've highlighted, especially with the uh, with Amazon, is this this kind of dual nature with the the what sometimes feels creepy, but I think also is clearly been official that individuals do tend to have patterns that they do tend to like one thing that I really like reading about is interestingly enough are our technology books books about technology and about technology policy and like books about history so I often will get new stuff coming up and saying hey you know you read this other thing maybe you're interested in this in this product you know when we're talking about selecting books to read yeah that's I, I i don't i don't necessarily see a harm from that but some people are kind of uncomfortable with those type of information that information being there that it's like forcing you to choose certain types of things um that you know that's that it's you know manipulating you i personally I, I, I'm trying to think through that, and I think that's a really, really difficult question, and it's kind of its own separate issue that is that is obviously related to privacy. And I think the other thing that we should mention here, when, when we're talking about privacy laws, and the reason why I'm using kind of like these associational terms is that whenever we talk about privacy, there's a lot that is really connected with it and tied with it. And so we just need to be very clear when we're parsing out these these problems. What is it that we're trying to solve? What's the what's the issue that we're trying to solve? But there are clear benefits to these things. You know, for example. Um, social media right now is is there's a lot of social media platforms um, and it seems that when you actually take the totality of it that consumers benefit by about seven trillion dollars per year because they're using social media uh, instead of you know well maybe they're at work and they're using social media but you know when you there's there's ways to figure out basically that people use social media X percent uh, you know X many hours of the year there's so many people that are using this every single year that when you do those kind of number crunching you get about seven trillion dollars of of consumer worth that 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 people get from using these these um these platforms and i think that's actually something to to continually point out that that yes that these platforms these online technologies really do benefit you know i'm able to keep in connected with you know i'm able to keep uh keep in touch and connected with my my cousins my my, my mom's cousins who we're still very good friends with and you know and uh in in the east coast and so to me i see a clear amount of benefits to these things that that i think that we sh we should be highlighting because they're there are obviously some problems we i'm not going to deny that there are problems with some of the largest platforms there's been some legal issues that you know i'm glad that the ftc is probably bringing a suit to make sure that that companies are being uh they're being honest with with their consumer with their, with their customers but at the same time I, I think we shouldn't deny that there are clear mm -hmm. benefits to these kind of technologies i think you just hit a uh, a key point there, you know, it's about being honest with your customers. Yes. I think a lot of this has been like 
I didn't know this was happening. Yeah. Maybe it's because it was buried in some legal lease document or yeah. some update that just or perhaps automatically they generates. Or them. perhaps they didn't really say, you know, we were doing this kind of collection, right. which I think those are clear cases where really the FTC should be going after mm-hmm. after companies, which they re- I mean, they are. They're looking they're looking to go after Google and Facebook for this kind of deception, right. which I think is a I mean, I don't want to say it's a good thing, but it's what needs to be done. Right. It needs it's it's not a good thing because whenever there's deception involved, that's just not really a good mm-hmm. thing. But the fact that the FTC is going after these 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 type of nefarious actions, I think, is actually very, very true. It is something that we need to be that that, that we need to be thinking positively of that it is this is how the system works mm-hmm. this is you know you got to trust the process now a lot of these companies are already sort of you know doing this exact thing where they're giving you more control over your data yeah, on the back yeah. end anyways so it seems like it seems that's where the industry is going already yeah very much so and i think that that is that is a clear market development and it's really happened gradually over the last couple of years and really over the last i mean i shouldn't even say last couple of years it really has been the last 10 years you've had this development within as these companies have grown and as they've they have collected more information and that they you know they they produce more information they've given consumers generally you know more uh, options to limit the kinds of information that that is you know that is allowed uh, they limit the kind of audiences that can have access to that information and you know they keep on adding in and and rolling out new features I haven't seen it recently but I believe uh, both Google and Facebook this last week came with came with a whole new bunch of features if I recall correctly so they're constantly working at these things and the, this is a continual like development it's a process it's a it's it's something that is is hugely important but we shouldn't deny that there's this kind of push and pull uh, within the market for companies sometimes getting chastised by you know by journalists and by advocates and then companies then responding to that those kind of those kind of correctives mm-hmm. so how should we think about balancing these benefits with the drawbacks that are involved does each person just basically at some point have to take control for themselves or is there some sort of other policy proposal out there that we should be thinking about this so to me i mean the one thing that we really haven't talked about yet is that they're already are a set of laws that are going to be enacted. This is California has a mm-hmm. has their um, has their Privacy Act, which is known as the CCPA, the California Consumer Privacy Act. That's going into law in 2020. So for me, when you're asking, okay, what is it that we can be doing? What is the like? What's the holistic picture look like? What is the you know what's the all of the above approach look like? I think really what it looks like, at least going forward, is the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, going after companies, which we know that they're doing that. They've got open cases against. Um, I think both. Facebook and Google. I know for sure Facebook, if they're being, bringing a multi-billion dollar fine or likely to bring a multi-billion dollar fine against them. So you've got an agency policing that. You've got the state AGs that also do that kind of work. So this, these are the state attorneys general. Um, they're the ones who go after companies that are, you know, that are violating certain kinds of uh, state privacy laws. You've got California is going to get into the fray. Um, I personally would like to kind of see how things shake out a little bit before we, I think there's clear benefits to doing a federal privacy law at this point, primarily because, you know, there's the high likelihood of all these kind of states going after companies in a slightly different way. And we really do need right. kind of a unified approach. And we'll talk a little bit about that more later yes. on yeah, yeah. Um, when we start talking about, you know, some of the current proposals out there and yes. the issues with them. But let's let's turn a little bit. Let's continue talking about uh, the policy responses a little bit more by first, you know, talking about, you know, a few months ago, um, we got all these emails asking us to give our affirmative consent to receive emails. Yeah. What's going on there? 
Yeah, so it wasn't just a couple months ago. Yeah, it's been a couple. It's been, it's almost, been almost literally a like year. year now. It's been yeah. almost literally a year. Right. Yeah, so now we're in May, uh, May 25th of last year, 2018. The uh, European General Data Protection Regulation went into effect, and that was a, it really was this massive, impactful regulation that, that if you have if you're a multinational corporation which you know Pinterest and and Twitter and Facebook and Google clearly are if you're using any type of these social media they're going to be sending you a note and saying hey you know we've got to update our privacy policies in order to be compliant with GDPR which is what a lot of companies did there's a whole bunch of other companies that just said okay you know what uh, GDPR is really costly for us to comply with which it is um, I'm actually doing some research right now to try to calculate what that mm-hmm. looks like, but it's it's very expensive for yeah. most companies. I imagine it's got to be a huge impact on those yeah. companies, yeah, Google, especially, especially small business companies. Yeah, yeah, small businesses. Well, interestingly enough, small businesses seem to be able to export that. So at least with the regulatory costs, and when we talk about small businesses, mm-hmm. um, I think what most people think about are probably what you would consider like medium-sized businesses. Okay, which is which is where the where there's a lot of these firms are are there's a lot of these firms. So like. When when we talk about truly small business, I mean, I typically think of maybe one to 20 employees, which is truly a small business. Um, that's where the bulk of firms exist in, you know, in the space. But if you're talking about about where employees typically are. So if you're if you know, if you're working for somebody, you're in kind of the medium, medium enterprise space to, you know, to large companies. And we do see that that there is clearly an effect that that medium companies, the medium sized companies. And these are the companies that that do exist, they are clearly being impacted by the rules. They seem it seems to be probably more costly for them overall than it is for the large businesses, just because large businesses usually are are you know the 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 biggest firms are usually a little bit more profitable, so they're just able to uh, kind of disperse those costs over you know the, over the entirety of the company. Needless to say, there it, it where I think that we should really should be concerned about the impacts is in this kind of medium medium uh, business space. It's not the ultra small firms the because a lot of those. There will be impacts in the small firms. Don't get me wrong. Probably there's a couple of them. It seems like not a couple of them, but it seems like some of them will probably exit the market, especially people that are older, you know, that have a small, you know, that I, I was reading recently in uh, the in um, uh, one of the Silicon Valley papers. Um, I was at San Jose Mercury, I believe it's called. Uh, there was a guy who runs a flower shop and he said that he's not going to probably be able to be compliant with CCPA, which is this California mm-hmm. law. And he said he's probably going to have to exit. Uh, wow. But he also said that primarily. Primarily, it's because this is a new set of regulations. He's older. He's not really able. He's like, ah, you know, I'm towards kind of nearish retirement. Like, I might as well just kind of, you know, slip into retirement and, and kind of make that transition. So I think that's probably what we'll see. We'll see some transition mm-hmm. of these older businesses. There'll probably be a big impact for this. Like I said, there will be costs that small businesses right. will have to be have to bear. But then these medium mm-hmm. medium sized businesses, which do employ a lot of people, probably will probably I expect to be impacted the most. Interesting. Well, we'll have to wait for your paper on that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, so one of the other impacts that I think we've all seen with GDPR is I don't live in Europe. Why am I being affected by this? How is a European law affecting my my work? Yeah, that's a that's a really really good question, and that's um, I believe somebody termed this the long arm of regulation, which I thought was kind of a good turn of phrase. That what the GDPR does is it has a long arm, and that's also what we're seeing with this California law as well. You know that that California is you know the CCPA is only really relegated to the state of California, but but. Come 
companies all across the United States are assuming they're going to have to be compliant just because of the potential number of customers that that could get caught up in in Europe. So there's I'm sorry, not in Europe, but in California. Um, so this the this happens why you're seeing these emails is because of of this long arm of regulation. It really, it, you, it, the internet is everywhere. It really is a, it is really this, um, it, it doesn't, it traverses all borders. It's, it's, it's a very permissive tech kind of technology. And if you want to regulate something in, on the internet, you have to regulate it really everywhere. I mean, it, you know, I, I say that kind of, you know, in, it's a, it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit hyperbolic to say that you have to regulate it everywhere, but it, you, it's really difficult to just say, okay, these are the small firms that are going to be located within California and they're, they're and they are the ones that are going to be regulated. That's not going to happen. Other firms, because they have California customers, because they do business in California, because of any number of reasons, probably, perhaps maybe even they're just not very risk tolerant. Like, you know, Hey, we, we do enough business in California. We probably could kind of skate under the threshold, but there's no reason to, to really uh, to chance it. So might as well just become compliant with California law. And that's really what's happening within GDPR as well. Okay. So sketch out for us why, what some of these various proposal policy proposals do. So the big one obviously is, is California. So California really, um, there's a couple different elements of California, but it, uh, it gives typically about f- it gives four different rights to consumers, and it's really this kind of rights-based based approach, as it may be maybe dubbed. So you have the right to delete information, the right generally to know what's being talked about you, the right to um, well to delete information to very very specific options, the the right to um, I'm forgetting the, the fourth one, but I know one of the other ones is the basically the ability to use services without the requirement of having all of your information processed and collected. So there are uh, what California is effectively trying to do is give consumers a set of, you know, of uh, a, a set of what they're dubbing rights, which is a uh, I think a very fraught term here. But basically, it's a whole bunch of requirements on companies that that specifically say you have to give consumers the ability to delete information, to correct information, you know, the, the to know inform, you know, to know about what is being collected about you. Um, some of that I think is probably pretty solid overall that there's transparency requirements, I think are generally a positive thing. But really, the big question, the big tension here comes in the fine structure. How does this really integrate within, you know, one of the big tensions right now is how does it integrate within class action lawsuits? You know, there's a lot of really bigger questions about and that's gonna oh, be really tough to implement uh yeah i mean they're the 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 state now is trying to go in and kind of clean up some of the laws and make sure that it isn't going to be completely onerous so i think that actually is a positive thing all, all things considered so <laughs> the funny thing about ccpa which uh we haven't mentioned is that ccpa was um was introduced and passed within one week yeah i was just going to ask about that because yeah. you said they're now cleaning up some yeah, of this stuff yeah isn't that wouldn't, fun wouldn't that be something you do before you pass well but if you but if you so the options for CCPA at the time, and this was about this time about this time last year, it was June of last year that all this kind of happened. Uh, California had, and it was pushed by a by an organization by a group of individuals that were very interested in doing a, a California amendment, and because of the way that the referendum system works within California, that what you do is you have an amendment, it gets added to California law, and it's really 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 hard to amend it. Anyway, even the you know the legislature just can't really do very much. And the way that it was written, I don't think that people recognize they want privacy, but 
at the same time, if you were to have some very, very onerous requirements on on what companies can and cannot do, it, you also would have a very it would it would completely shift the market. You know, one of the things that we've seen very clearly in in GDPR is that the uh, the um, you know the the venture capitalist space has 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 not, I don't want to say dried up, but it has greatly diminished over the last year since GDPR was implemented, and specifically in the industries that you would expect, so like in social media and news production, in kind of the um, the advertising supported and data supported spaces that you would expect, the entire VC funding for these for these areas has has decreased by about a third, if I recall correctly. So there are clear impacts because I mean why would you put your money in into into data collection or a data collection service when consumers could sue you for you know millions of dollars if if you don't handle that correctly and that to me is is one of the big problems and one of the big tensions that we're trying to figure out here is what's that right balance between giving consumers privacy protections and then also ensuring that there is kind of this innovative ecosystem that's supporting new technologies that are supporting the new firms that potentially could go after Facebook or Google in the ways that you would want them to go after Facebook and Google. But I think the actual implementation and the way that it affects the industry is that you just further really you further entrench those those large dominant players instead of actually allowing, you know, new markets to come in or new entrants to come into the market and, and, and disrupt them. And now to complicate this even yeah. further, um, we're now seeing other states are starting to follow yeah. suit. We're also seeing cities starting to follow yeah, suit. Yeah. This seems to me that it's just going to complicate everything. Yeah, yeah. So the most the the one state that seems that was probably going to pass something again, it didn't end up passing anything. Was the uh, the state of Washington? So Washington was. Um, was looking to pass a law. It was a little bit more similar to the GDPR in the way that it was. Con- it was. Uh, it was. So the California way of dealing with things. It's much more rights based and say, okay, you know, you're a consumer. You have specific rights. GDPR is much more about this. This. It, it's a almost kind of like a relationship. So it's you've got data. You know, you've got what are called data subjects. So you know, individuals, and you've got data processors and data controllers. So it's much more about this relationship between these kind of three different groups that are made out of. Of, you know, thin air effectively. Um, that's what Washington state was very similar. It was very, uh, it looked very similar in, in some key ways to GDPR and that it was concerned more about kind of the processes uh, instead of just the pure pure rights. I mean, you effectively get very similar sorts of regulation at the end, the end result. Um, but that recently failed. Um, but Washington state was not the only state that was that's involved in this and interested in doing this. You know, there have been bills in Montana, um, I believe in Iowa, uh, Hawaii. I know Hawaii is another bill that will probably get passed in this in this legislative session for Hawaii. So that's coming. New York City has said that they're interested in doing something for their own bill. And I mean, my my home city of Chicago has talked about this. They've got a draft bill out there right now that is not really going anywhere. But uh, the big problem, which I think you were alluding to, is that you have all of these states and cities that are doing something that's slightly different. So you have to be compliant with something that is really, really difficult to be compliant in. How do you know that I, unless you start collecting information, really deep personal information about me, how do you know that I'm in Illinois? Um, which I do go back, you know, I still have family there, um, but I live in, in Washington, D.C. now. How do you know that I'm in Illinois and not in Washington, D.C.? Or how do you know that I'm in California and not in New York City? So, Well, I have to have your data. Exactly. But that's also 
that's more privacy invasive. So to even and this is like the the I think the subtle problem with privacy laws in order for privacy laws to be enacted, you have to collect more information about individuals to be sure that, you know, correct information about them. Uh, and and it, because of that, it really actually makes the entire process, I think, far more invasive in a way that we wouldn't want it to be invasive. And in fact, I think we should be focused much more on privacy risks, which means, um, you know, disclosure of certain kinds, you know, you you potentially you'd regulate health data, um, but you need to be smart about that. We do already regulate health data, but perhaps you're just, you know, we do some more targeted things on that. Maybe some geolocation information is has certain kind of protected class status. I, I mean, I think there's smart ways to do this, but that's not what we're talking about right now. We're just talking about, a, you know, throwing everything into the into the fray and kind of just seeing what sticks. So is all this going to prompt federal a federal response? Yeah, I, th- I think that at the end, I, I would wait to see how it kind of shakes out. I don't think we'll probably see something this year with privacy. I could be wrong. I mean, I don't think you'll see movement. Uh, I, I should say it differently. I think you will see movement. You'll see, you know, there's supposed to be a a uh, the Senate is currently working on a bill. So, um, you know, Wicker, Moran, um, uh, Blumenthal and Schatz are working also with Cantwell and Thune. So it looks like the six of them are working on a bill together. You know, Thune has been talking a lot about this in the past. Cantwell has been working on this. So the, there there is a lot of leadership in this space. Uh, you'll probably see that bill. And that really has been what a lot of people have been concerned about. So that's something to watch. But, you know, what happens in the House? Um, The House is, I think, a little bit more divided. They're just not as far along in the process of thinking through privacy. There has been a whole bunch of hearings. There was a um, as of this taping, there was a hearing this week. And I know that there's more hearings coming up on privacy. So I don't think we'll see something necessarily federally this year. But I think there's going to be a drumbeat that will come because there's the potential for states to really get into the fray and to do something that's kind of bad. And California. California again. Who knows what happens with California, but perhaps you have also a different set of laws that, again, that comes out of out of Hawaii, and then out of Washington, and then out of Oregon, and then out in, in New York and Illinois, and and Florida and Texas, and so then you've got, you know, you've got this. I don't want to say it's a patchwork because it's not really a patchwork. Um, it is just layers and layers and layers of regulation instead of it's not it's not patchwork because you really you can't tell where individuals are located. So it's 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 a, just a difficult way of of actually doing business. Mm. If that gets if that happens, then I think you could probably see a, a federal privacy law. Yeah, sounds very complicated. Um as we wrap up this conversation, we should we should uh, mention um, the great booklet that you put yes, together. Yes. Um, what? Thank what you. Your... Thank you for plugging my work. Yes. Thank you for plugging. So yeah, I mean, this is. I think this is a, one of the big issues that we've been at, at American Action Forum. We're really just trying to understand. Um, we're trying to understand what's going on with this policy. So, you know, I got together with uh, some five other really sharp individuals who are working in this space. Uh, they are, you know, young and hungry scholars who who I think are really really amazing. And so we've we, we've collected a whole bunch of different essays from them on. You know, on everything from AI to, you know, to privacy, uh, which is what we've been talking about, some, what's happening at the Supreme Court, um, and then also just generally how to think about regulation. Uh, so that's something that I am really quite proud of, and, and you should definitely check out. There's a lot to be said about this, and it's really just, I think, kind of the beginning of our work in getting, you know, the, these types of, of scholars working on, on these issues. 
Um, but uh, but that really is just it's a really a beginning to the conversation. It really only gives you just kind of the the bare bones of how to approach it. And and really, there's a lot more that I would like to do. And I think there really there's just a lot more scholarship and work that needs to be done in this space. Yeah. Well, you got to start somewhere. Yep. All right. So let's bring the conversation full circle now. <laughs> Will, what is new in the coffee world? Uh, fourth wave. Uh, no. Um, so at least personally to me, I I, uh, so I moved to a new home. Uh, and there is this really, really good, at least in Washington, D.C., there's this really good roaster in D.C. that I hadn't been to before. But obviously, it's been getting review good reviews for years called Sadamo. Um, really good Ethiopian coffees. Um, pretty sure the guy is Ethiopian. Uh, very nice. Amazing coffee. Highly suggested. Gave some to my parents and they are actually our big Starbucks drinkers as we were talking about earlier so really to bring it full circle they were completely impressed and now I'm actually having to send more to them so that's that's actually been fun because um, now I'm supporting their coffee habits which is of <laughs> course a really cheap habit to be involved in uh, but you know coffee's coffee um, I guess maybe drink Starbucks but I don't know well, next time you come back, we'll have to hear more about what what new coffee adventure you found. Yes, yes. And thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Tune back in for our next episode where our experts will provide clear, data-driven insights into today's economic and domestic policy issues. I'd also like to encourage you to check out any of the links in our show notes um, from this episode and also follow us on social media to hear more about AAF.